Welcome to the 20-something Trials Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Denicio, and this is the show dedicated to navigating your 20s. Each week, you'll hear from a guest who has walked through an array of trials, triumphs, and more. My goal is to bring you tangible tips to help you grow into the woman you are destined to become. I started this podcast to connect with others, have real conversation about womanhood and career and life, and learn from the incredible groundbreaking people who I admire, and I know you will too. There is so much truth to be learned from our trials and in those of others. So together, let's explore all of the things that make us who we are and grow into the women we are meant to be together. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of 20-something Trials. I am so excited to bring you this week's episode, and before we jump in to all of the goodness that is this next hour or however long this episode is, I just want to give you a little bit of an update on life and what's going on, and um, most of you guys know if you've been here for a little bit, I am a high school English teacher, and we are currently going remote, so I have been working from home for the past little bit. Um, We are supposed to go back on the 20th. Stay tuned. Will it happen? I I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, It's been nice. It's been nice to just wind down this semester from home just because it was such a crazy first semester. I was at a new school. I was teaching a new grade. There was a pandemic. (laughs) Like there's just been a lot. So even though I'm like super bummed that I won't get to like have a proper goodbye with my kids, I am a little relieved that I get to just (sighs) take a breath for a second um, and for things to be a little bit more calm than what they have been. Many of you also know that there has been quite a transition in my life over the last few months, and um, as I've gotten back into girls, the dogs are freaking out, as I've gotten back into podcasting and like a normal routine, I just wanted to share a few things that have really helped me in this season of my life, Um, and a lot of it is things that I have done for quite some time that I've really just stuck to, so a morning ritual or a strong morning routine is something that I have been just really insistent and um, ritualistic with, if you will. So right now for me, that looks like waking up pretty early at this point, um, going to a gym that actually just opened up right near my house. It's so awesome. And it's, we, I feel safe. I, the way they're running things is, makes me feel comfortable. Um, and I go with one of my best friends. And so I get to make sure I have that time with my girlfriend. I'm getting my endorphins moving. I'm taking care of myself physically and mentally. And then when I come home and shower and eat and all that, um, I have about an, I want to say an hour, not really like 30 minutes of time where I'm journaling, I'm reading, I'm trying to get better at meditating. But it's funny, you know, I feel like we have all heard these things so often and rather than like brushing them off I'm trying to realize that there's probably a reason that we've heard you know a pattern of of things that people do over and over again not because it's 
like buzzworthy or cliche, but because it probably works. And so I'm trying to be very, very structured in how I'm doing things right now, especially being from home. Um, And I also just want to make sure I'm treating myself well and being kind to myself. So if you are going through anything this season in your life too, I hope, you know, some of the things that I shared, you can adopt as well. And you guys know you are always welcome to reach out to me on Instagram or through email, just 20 something trials on Instagram and then our email is in the show notes. Um, but I would love to, to share some stories, share some ideas, anything that helps you that could help me, um, just get through life right now. Right? So I think this episode though, to make a quick little transition, you guys will really enjoy. It is all about uplifting other women empowering other women to really tap into their potential and how one journalist created this company that really aims to do that. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to this week's guest. I am so excited to be joined by our guest today, Tiara Smith. Tiara, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so blessed to even be on your podcast and to be able to tell my story today. Well, we're, we're grateful to have you because you've got a wonderful story. So before we dive into it, I want to know without any titles, who are you? You know, I think I'm a sister and a best friend because I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, the sister part is just a, a, a reflection of who I was created to be and who is connected to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like 10 siblings. Wow. And, yeah. I have two on my mom's side, which is my sister and my brother. And then on my dad's side, I have about 10. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, the number grows and, you know, sometimes. But I'm like the second or third oldest. And, you know, that's such a responsibility for me to make sure that I'm a good example for them. And to lead them in the right direction, you know, and to be hard on them. But to be very, to give them a lot of grace at the same time. And so I take my responsibility to my sisters very um, wholeheartedly because like, I know that they look to me to be an example and to learn from my mistakes and to learn from my wins and to be able to express that love and that unconditional love for them and that guidance for them is really important. So those were the ones that were birthed to me, but like friends, those are the ones you choose. Those are the sisters that you choose. And like, my friends, since I was very young, like when I was in elementary school, I've had formed relationships with women and girls that have that never went away. Like some of my closest friends are and my business partners, we met in kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And we, we say it all the time that we were ordained to be friends. Like we were ordained to be together and to, to live out our lives together and to learn from each other. And so I've been really blessed that one of my best friends I met in kindergarten than the other one I met in first grade. Mm -hmm. And even though I left that city and they left that city, you know, we're still bound to each other. You know, I can still pick up the phone and call them and lean on them, you know, for support, for guidance, for money if I need it, you know, to have those women there to support me has really been very um, important to me. And that was when I was young, but each season of my life, I, I pick up and drop friends, you know, and evaluate those relationships and make sure that not only am I sewing into them, which I'm really good at, but they're also sewing into me, you know, and being very, um, selfish 
with who I spend my time with because time is so valuable and you can't get it back. And so I think my relationships with my sisters and my friends is only is a reflection of me and how I sow it to other people, but also I, I'm blessed because of them and the things that they have been able to go through and the things that they have overcome has been such a, a blessing to me. You said a really important thing about being selfish with who you choose to let into your circle. Was that something you were always skilled at or was it something you learned how to do more so over time? Definitely more so at, over time because, you know, with any relationship, you think just because you're in relationship with someone for a long time that you need to be in relationship with them forever. And that may not be the case. Some relationships are seasonal. Some relationships that are meant for the long time have seasons where they change. You know, I have a friend who has um, a lot, will have children and then she's married. And every season I want our relationship to be a certain way, but I have to give her grace to understand that there's things that are out of my control Mm -hmm. and still be a good friend for her, still pray for her, still pray for her children and her relationship, even if we're not in constant physical physical contact or physical um, closeness at that time, you know, the values of our friendship still remain Mm -hmm. and I can still pray for her and I can still love her from a distance. And to know that even when that seasons change, she'll still be there for me. I have a friend um, very similar to you. We met in kindergarten. Um, We grew up in Florida and then we moved, our families moved to North Carolina. And the way that we lived in Florida was neighborhood, like our neighborhoods were right next to each other. And that's how we lived in North Carolina. And it was a really special type of friendship because I don't have anything else like that. And as I've gotten older, I think I've realized the magnitude of how special that is and the importance of that friendship. And, you know, her and I, very similar to what you said, we can go weeks or months, but the second we are back together, we, you would think we have never left each other's side. And I have learned to value those relationships over anything as I've gotten older too. Absolutely. Because they taught you something and they're so fundamental and foundational of who you are you know those people it's similar to your family you know those people so so much into you you get in trouble with them they introduce so much different good and bad things so you really just have to be really cautious of who you spend time with because they're they're that your eyes is open to them that your eyes is open to them your mouth is open to them and so those are such entryways of communication not even to mention your heart, you know, so you have to be really careful on how you deal with those relationships. And so I'm a person who pray for my friends and to um, uplift my friends at all, at all costs. And I make sure that those people around me give me that too, when it's my turn to need that, that couple fullness. And I, you know, I think that's crucial in any relationship, whether it's platonic, romantic, familial, family-based, whatever, family-wise, right? That, you know, you can pour into them. And that's, from what I've learned about you so far, that's who you are, especially being one of the older ones, you do take on the role of a nurturer. So it's really easy to pour into people, but sometimes it's harder to make sure you get that poured back into you. So I think 
having that self-awareness to know that's what you need is critical. And for you guys listening, it's so important. And you know, it is, it's something that you might not learn right away, but after maybe you've been burned a few times in friendships, that's going to become a non-negotiable for you. So dear, oh my gosh, this is, you're like so wise. I'm so excited to have you on here. And you know, we introduce you without any titles, but now I want, I want you to give me some of the titles. So professionally, who are you? Professionally, I'm a journalist at heart. Like, I've been a journalist since I was in high school. I was on the yearbook in the newspaper at Ailey High School in Houston, Texas. And so, a storyteller, you know, someone who asks questions, someone who was willing to like stay after late, stay up early. Like, I was very passionate about it. But then I also like the exclusivity of being a journalist. Like, you got to do things that other people was not allowed to do. And so that that ability, that that exclusiveness really like drew me because it allowed me to I already thought that I was very different, but to be able to use that power for good, you know, um, was really, really important to me. So I've been a journalist for a really long time and I went to school for it. But more most recently I've become a startup founder because I'm the um, the founder of Wins for Black Girls, a media platform that spreads positive news about Black women. So I was able to merge my, my skill set for journalism and storytelling and fact-checking and information providing with my love for spreading positive news about Black women. And a, a, being a Black woman myself, you know, and as a journalist, I see how the media coverage can off, off, often be slanted and um, biased and stereotypical and so I know that we are so much more than that. And so my platform allows me to write stories, feature women that highlight the, the positive things that they're doing in entrepreneurship, business, politics, sports, and culture. And then just to highlight the everyday successes of Black women. You know, I think it's a win every day that we get up and go about our day, come back home safely, and be able to rest in the fullness that we know that we we came out and we conquered as much as we could that day. And I think that's a win in itself. So Wins for Black Girls is really just about celebrating and documenting the facts and the beauty and the fullness of Black women mm -hmm. in a, a, a factual and information-based context. So I really want to unpack a lot of the things you just said. Specifically, I want to start with a comment you made earlier and you said, I always knew I was different. Talk to me about that a little bit. I mean, I, I think. And own it. I don't, don't cover that. Like own it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I had a shirt that said, a sweater that said, I'm different. You know, it was like a song that came out a couple yeah. of years ago. I'm different, girl. I'm different. Yeah. So I definitely was very, I'm, I'm very gifted, not even different. I'm gifted. I'm talented. You know, from a young age, I was able to. I was thinking about this earlier, like the, the earlier inferences of like journalism and writing. Like I wrote a book when I was in high school, when in middle school, really, I was introduced to a computer. We had a computer at my mom's house and at like a lot of places I had computers, but mostly I had a computer at my mom's house and at my granny's house. And I would spend a lot of time reading and researching and writing my thoughts down. And to one point, I just started writing a book. And I was just writing different characters and I was just trying to get a story out. And I've always been a, a storyteller. I have a scrapbook. You know, I would create things. There was a time when I, me and my best friend, we started to 
create clothes, old create new clothes out of old clothes. That's cool. And so we would we would sew things, we would cut things, we would glue things. But I will always have people that would take it a step further. Like my grandma saw that I was cutting things and she was like, well, you need to learn the skill that goes with that. Mm -hmm. She bought me a sewing machine and got me sewing lessons. And so now I have those basic skills of like sewing. And so I guess I've always been, I've always tried things. And then my family has always made sure that I was skilled in those things. Like even when it comes to basketball, when I was living in Milwaukee, we moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when I was going into high school. So when I was in middle school, I would play basketball in my neighborhood a lot. And I was really good, you know, but I wasn't able to play in middle school. So when I went to high school, you know, my mom was really like, you should really try out. You should try to like take what you're doing outside, which is unorganized and get into school where they'll teach you the skills to really be able to master this this thing this passion that you have because i would have a passion for sports even that young i would i would run in the house when the milwaukee bucks would play and if the if the game did not go on tv i would listen to it in my room on the radio so like there was just certain things. If I liked something, like I would be fully invested into it. And then my family would just work to nurture those things in me and to pull those things out of me. And so I've always been blessed in that way. And so I've always went to the best schools, you know, from elementary school to middle school to high school. I've always been very smart and paid attention to like detail and read a lot. Like, I would read my emails and it's so many blessings come from just reading, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll tell you the, this quick story just about reading and just being in the right place. When I was in college, I was reading, um, I would read the news, the um, emails that we would get about different opportunities and I would just sift through them. You know, it may not be anything for me, but I would just make sure I knew what was going on. So when opportunities will present themselves, I could apply. Yeah. So, I think reading and just being invested in who you are and where you're trying to go and taking different opportunities as they come can really stretch you to believe and to be able to see what is all um, possible for yourself. So I think that exposure as a young age really helped me understand who I could possibly be. You know, I think it's so beautiful that you had these people, you know, in your family pouring into you like this. As a high school teacher, unfortunately, I see a lot of the opposite. And, you know, that is one thing that's really difficult in my role is when you see that potential and you see that gift, you know, a lot of times in my perspective, I'll see it as, you know, I had a few students who were really gifted writers, you know, so for me in that role, you want to push and you want to challenge them and make sure they know that they have that gift. And the change in their face when they realize that somebody sees something in them, it's a game changer. And so you know, for people like you and I who had parents, family members, friends who would pour into us in that way, I really think that can't go underappreciated because who knows, you know, if you didn't have somebody who saw that light in you, you may have never noticed it or you might not have ever run with it. So especially for you with journalism, right? Writing and storytelling, it seems like was always part of you and you were self-aware enough to realize that this was a gift and then you had the people around you reinforcing and making sure that you knew there was something there and I, I think in terms of the fact that like 
you saw this gift and you worked on it throughout college in your internships and now as your career, that's a huge testament, right? That, I mean, that's, that's an incredible thing that I don't know if many people come by. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree because I've been on this, this journey for journalism since, like I said, since I was like a junior in high school, mm-hmm. so we went in my high school, we would go to journalism camps. We would go visit colleges and universities yeah. and that exposure. I was like, Huge. when my teacher told me not only I could be in journalism class, that I can go to college for journalism and that I could be a journalist. I was like, Oh, okay. So how do we make this happen? And she was like, okay, you do this, you do that, you do this. And so even at a very young age, I was always pushing my parents to allow me to do things that, you know, was a little bit like, I don't know if you should go spend a week at LSU at a journalism camp. What is that? We live in Texas. You want me to drive five hours, drop you off there and come back in five days. You're not going to call me and say, you ready to come home? I'm like, no, I'm going to have the time of my life. Drop me off. How much does it cost? And you know, not only, and I'll, I'll say that too, because a lot of things cost. A lot of opportunities cost. And I was just telling my sister this too. You have to find, even though things cost, there's a lot of ways to pay for it. You know, if you if your parents cannot financially pay for something, which is sometimes the case, and even in my case, there's always scholarships. There's always opportunities. You can always call someone you know, to ask for something. There's been plenty of times in my life that I had to crowdfund, I had to set up GoFundMes, or I just had to spend, I needed something that paid $100 and I had to ask four people for $25. Because one thing you wasn't going to tell me was no. And especially because of money. Like, there's a lot of money in this world. I might not have it all, but somebody can help me get to my purpose. And I was never afraid to ask. And I think that that goes for my life and that goes for my career. Do not be afraid to ask people questions. You know, it's really a blessing for them to even be able to answer your questions, to provide that value, especially if they're talking about themselves and their own purpose and their own values. A lot of people are not asked those questions, but get into, get uncomfortable with, or get comfortable with asking uncomfortable questions, you know? That is really the key because that will allow you to learn more, be exposed more, and to allow people to sow into you. I have had so many people sow into me simply because I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Because I asked. Not because I deserved it. Not because I'm special. Because I asked. And it was in their heart to bless someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was an intern in, at the, in Denver, at the Denver Post, I, read, I wrote a letter to one of my sorority sisters, I'm a Delta, I'm a part of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Um, and I even, I had just became a Delta, like fresh, fresh, fresh. I sent a, a letter to the chapter telling them that I had an internship in the city and I was looking for somewhere to stay. If it was rent free or if, it, if I had to pay something, I just needed a safe place because I didn't know anything about it. Like a week later, a woman called me, her name was Nedra. And she, she called me and she was like, yeah, I've talked to my family about it. We think you should come stay with us for the summer. I'm like, you want me to come stay with you? She was like, yeah, we prayed about it. It's, it's good. The Lord told you to come on home. And my mom talked to her and once they talked, they felt comfortable. My mom and me drove up there and I stayed with them for like three months. I had my own floor. Wow. Come and go as I please. 
they really were some amazing, um, um, their marriage was so strong, their kids were so insightful, you know, and I, I gelled with everyone so smoothly, like it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. I was never uncomfortable. You know, I was so comfortable. They were so loving. And like, I still can talk to them to this day, five years later, if I need anything, if I, you know, and it's just like, have that connection to them. It's just like life changing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what you asked, yeah. you went out on a limb and you asked the question. And like you said, you are not afraid of seeking that out because as cliche as it is, right? There's a reason it's a cliche. The worst thing that can happen is they say no. So imagine, you know, what could have happened had you not have asked or even, you know, just put it out there into the universe. And so I completely agree too with this idea of be the inquisitive one. Yeah. And I think I said that it was in Denver, but it was in Salt Lake City. Okay. In Salt Lake City, which was even more important because Salt Lake City is such a different place. Like living in in Salt Lake City for three months was such a out of body experience because there's not a lot of black people there. There is not a lot of black people there, and I live with a black family, so that really helped merge those two cultures because there's a lot. There's such a Mormon culture and religion in Salt Lake, so it's a lot of different rules and culture things that you really wouldn't understand without really having that insight from a family that is also black to help guide you in that transition transition. So it wasn't Denver. It was Salt Lake city. I'm sorry. Has that been a commonality for you throughout your life of, you know, not being exposed to people who look like you, whether that was in the classroom or whether that was in the city that you lived in, or was that the first time you faced that? because of where I lived in the schools I went to I've always been around like a diverse amount of people I don't think I think that might have been the first time I was really like the only only black person in a space but I've always been around like a diverse amount of people like we will always have diverse classrooms diverse teachers I had black teachers when I was young which is really important for especially for black children so I think I've been blessed in that way that my mentors and my teachers and my the kids in my class have always been diverse, you know, so I think Salt Lake City was just a very different place, regardless of where you lived before. If you live in, if you live in Salt Lake City, it's just a different environment and you have to approach it differently. You have to really seek out different environments and different communities for different things that you may need and may be missing from home because a lot of people are transports. So they wasn't born there. They, they moved there for whatever reason. So those those communities are so much stronger because they choose to be family mm-hmm. instead of like being born into it they really nurture each other because they all they're all they have yeah yeah and that must have been such a like an interesting summer of growth because you know you're with these people who are super supportive right this family seems like they were amazing that i don't know it might have been a different story if you didn't have them right like you know, you might have ended up somewhere where you were uncomfortable or you, you know, weren't able to create that, but like this family just seems wonderful. Okay. So I want to talk about your internships a little bit because you've got a pretty impressive lineup. So we've got the new star, Salt Lake Tribune, Tampa Bay Times, and then there were even more that were on the list. So how did you go about finding these? 
Yeah, so it kind of goes back to what I said before about reading different information. There's always opportunities around you. You just have to have your eyes up and your eyes open and on a swivel. Like I read all the emails when I was in college that came from like the career services organization, um, different opportunities from my professors. I always had really good relationships with my professors and advisors so that I will be the first person they thought about when opportunities would arise. Like I was a really good student. I was very passionate. I was very involved. So some of those, it's really about before you can get to that internship level, you have to see what kind of student are you on your own campus? Are you a leader? Are you actively involved? I worked at the, since I was a freshman in college, I went to Grambling State University, which is in Grambling, Louisiana, which is Northern Louisiana, very far from New Orleans, from people who know where New Orleans is at. It's five hours north from there. And so it's a, it's a historical black college, um, very historic, very um, um, legendary when it comes to HBCUs. I really picked the best of the best, I can tell you that. Um, but our school, and one of the reasons why I chose to go to Gremlin, we had a radio station, we had a TV station, we had public relations, we had a student-run newspaper. And when I was there asking questions about how do I get involved, they was like, just show up. I was like, all I have to do is show up. I don't have to take a test. I don't have to prove myself in some type of amazing way. They was like, no, just show up. And so I started to show up from day one. And I I also speak prophetically over myself and I, I told them like, oh, I'm going to be the editor in chief. I probably said that on day one and they was looking at me like, who is this young girl and who is she talking to? Like, we don't even, she don't even know what the editor do. I was like, yes, I do. I know what she do and I'm going to be her. Okay. And so, <laughs> from the beginning, like, I think you have to be active in your purpose. Like you can't just wait for something to happen to you. You have to do whatever you can today that looks something like what you want to do. If that's how you wear, how you dress, how you wear your hair or how you present yourself to the world, you have to like really fit yourself into that mode every day by just constantly looking at your life and see how could it be better and how could it be improved. So when I was at Gremlin, I was doing everything. I was trying stuff. If I liked it, I didn't like it, I would do it. You know, I ran for different positions. I ran for student government positions. I ran for, I was in pageants, you know, stretching myself in different kind of ways. There was the um, Miss Covergirl pageant, which was really a scholarship pageant at our school. And I, I wasn't just in the pageant. Well, no, no, no. I ran for the head, the head position, like the head title, like Miss Cover Girl, you know? And like, when I think back, up, back to it, the boldness that it really took me to step out on faith to really do that was just like, I remember being up there shaking, but the fact that I knew I was going to be nervous did not stop me from at least trying. And so I think that you really just have to immerse yourself in the things that you think that you like and eventually you'll be able to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at and i think that's also the key about internships is because they will put you they will give you jobs and tasks to do things and you can determine if that's really something you want to do so when i started off as a journalist i covered sports very heavily because i already had that sports background i had listened to sports for a long time i had played sports and gremlin was such a legendary sports place like 
in the years that Eddie Robinson, who was the head coach at Grambling, was the coach, he he was like the most winningest coach in football history. Like we Gremlin is legendary when it comes to football. And at the moment when I was at Gremlin, one of Eddie Robinson's most prized players was Doug Williams, who was the first black black quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the Red Skins. And so it was a legendary school with a legendary coach. It gets better. His son was the quarterback. That's so special. It was it was so special and it was so unique to to have Doug Williams, who in his own right is a star mm-hmm. and a, a legend. And then he's his son is now taking his his um his place in Gremlin legacy as the head football as the head uh, as the starting quarterback. And so that dynamic of sports was so wild. You know, we went through the highs of having Doug Williams and winning and his son doing well to the lows of them losing 14 games, I believe, straight. Doug Williams getting fired and there being a boycott, you know, a football boycott where the team, before all of this, um, these recent boycotts in sports and all of the attention to racial equality and all of these things that's coming up, Grandma State University football team, they stood up for themselves very early before like the height of this. And they kind of talked about the things that they, the challenges they were facing as attending the HBCU student and just some of the inequities that they faced. And so I was able to cover those things. But the more that I covered those opportunities, I discovered that journalism is so depth and like you need to know more than just sports you need to understand the business of sports you need to understand the culture of sports and you know also be able to have that breaking news attitude and that versatility too because when Doug Williams got fired that year I think it was like 2013 DJ his son who was the quarterback was in my class so when the news broke we were like sitting in class and the teacher was talking and then we like getting text messages and everybody looking around and we like, what's going on? And we could, no one could focus because it was big news. And I was the journalist. So everybody looking at me like, Tierra, why are you still sitting here? You need to go figure out what's going on. And so eventually either my teacher dismissed us all or we got, we got out of class early because nobody could concentrate. And so of course I go ask DJ a question like, so how do you feel that your dad just got fired? And he was like, well, I don't really know what happened, Blaje, Blaje, you know. I instantly went in journalism mode. I interviewed DJ right away. I went to the, um, the, the athletic center where Doug Williams would be. I swerved in front of his car and was like, I need a comment. I need a comment. And like, he knows who I am now. Cause like, we're like two years and two years into me being at Grambling. So he's very, he knows that I'm the little journalist that's going to come and ask him the tough questions. He was like, Tierra, I can't, I don't have anything to say, no comment. And I was like, that's fine. No comment is a comment. And so I keep going on my journey and I, I ended up writing a story that was an award-winning piece that weekend just about him being fired. And then there was a boycott and it was a lot of more other things. And just that exposure to journalism, really those things on campus before I even got to the internship really a lot really shaped what opportunities were available to me because how I treated my day-to-day like I was the journalist for Grambling like I wasn't a student journalist I was the journalist you know and I didn't take that 
student part lightly. I took my job very seriously. I took my craft very seriously. And so when different opportunities would present themselves, I was automatically the best candidate because I had worked so hard to prepare myself. And not to say that every internship that I applied for that I got, because I didn't. Because my freshman year or earlier in my college career, I applied for the Sports Journalism Institute. And I believe at the time they wasn't accepting like sophomores and they wasn't accepting sophomores. You had to be a junior or a senior, but I had applied anyway. Cause I'm like, maybe they'll make, make, maybe they'll make a change, you know, who knows? And they did, they did accept the sophomore that year. They just didn't accept me. They accepted the sophomore. But moral, even if you don't hit all the credentials, who cares? Apply for it anyway. For it anyways, and that's another thing. We don't apply for things just because we don't automate. We don't meet all of the characteristics, and that is just what they wish they could have. Yeah. So I said all that to say, like, I asked my mentor, like, "Hey, what could I be doing to make sure that I could be accepted next year? Because next year I'll have a whole nother year under my belt. What are kind of some of the stories that I should be writing? How should I be thinking about my role and?" you know, we really kind of came up with a game plan. And not, not that I did everything that my mentor said, I did a lot of those things. And I think the fact that I did a lot of those things that he suggested was the reason why I was able to each year get scholarships, I mean, get scholarships and internships for the different things, especially for journalism. So I've had an internship. I, had, I went to undergrad at Grandma State University, and I also got a master's from LSU. So each year, I was in school, I had an internship. I've worked at the Denver Post, the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, we, we went off the list, but like every year there was something. And then some opportunities were based, some scholarships and internships are based on the fact that I went to an HBCU, really just because I put myself out there in a way that I couldn't really, um, there, was no, there was no other choice. The, the opportunity had to yield itself to me because I had prepared myself so well and I think that's a blessing. And another important thing I want to mention is that I'm an active member of the National Association of Black Journalists. And that organization is all about making sure students especially are exposed to so many different opportunities if it's not a short course. A short course is like you'll just you'll apply to go to another college for a week and they'll teach you all of these different skills in a hands-on environment. And then you take those skills and bring them back to your school and incorporate them. So if it was short courses or if they're internships or conferences, I would go to the national conference. I would go to the regional conferences. I was always involved in journalism to a way where like my whole life wrapped around it and I didn't have any choice but to improve. Yeah, there is so much so much wisdom from everything that you just said that you guys, I hope you can walk away with a sliver from, from everything that she just said. You know, for me, a lot of the things that resonated is just ask, just ask, put yourself out there and see what can happen. Don't feel you have to hit everything. Just if you see potential, Go for it and seek out these mentors, seek out people who you think, you know, can play a, a role in your path towards whatever you're working towards. And, you know, I had a similar experience where um, in my journalism minor, one of my favorite professors, she had, um, she would bring in guest speakers and 
for a long time, you know, this woman who came in and spoke, she was like the deputy editor at Garden and Gun. And I was like, whoa, this is a, this is a big name for, you know, especially in the South of, of, you know, publications. And I remember after she spoke and, you know, our 50 minutes of class was up, everybody left. And I was like, where are you people going? I dropped my backpack, sat right next to her, and I extended my hand, and I was like, hi, I'm Gabby Denicio, you know, and so I think it's really important when people are literally presented in front of you, don't you dare walk out that door if you think this is something that's going to be interesting to you. You put your hand out, you extend whatever it's going to take to make that connection, and I didn't end up interning with her because I didn't have anything, but I, she ended up connecting me to somebody in Charlotte, and that ended up becoming an internship, so even if you don't directly want to work for their publication or for what, I mean, who cares? Their network, and this applies to any field. Tiara and I just have the commonality of the journalism, but I mean, guys, this is any field that you're in. People have connections, and oftentimes it's a small web of people who really circulate. So do yourself a favor and go the extra mile, especially in, in instances of getting an opportunity that people are literally walking away from. Got very heated about that because I remember calling my parents and be like, they just walked out. They just walked out. And my dad was like, what? And I was like, I know. Yeah, it's some because sometimes they can't see what's going on. And sometimes you got to take a deep breath and not be in a rush. You don't have to be in a rush so much. Sometimes you could just meet someone because people have so much experiences you know you can just ask a simple question mm -hmm. you can ask them to read something that you wrote you know that's a lot of the things that the ways i worked worked it i kept a binder with all of my articles like every mm -hmm. article that i wrote since when i was at Gremlin, and i would carry that around with me when i go to conferences when i when we had someone come to the to the university to speak with us because I was setting myself apart. I looked the part, I was professional, I had a reputation around campus of asking good questions, hard questions. People often told me way too much information, which was good for me. So I had that, I built that reputation. I really tried to create the environment and the, 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 the momentum that I could receive all the things that I wanted. And it worked out because by the time I graduated from Grambling State University, I was awarded the Student Journalist of the Year from the National Association of Black Journalists. So to be recognized by my own peers in the organization that I had been with for four years at that moment, it was really rewarding to know that all the late nights, all of the long stories and the rewrites that I had invested in myself had really paid off and I was recognized as being the best of the best. And that was really an, um, an, an, an amazing um, acknowledgement for me. It is, it's, it's incredible. And I hope it's one thing now, you know, that you still are proud of and that you still are reminded of because that is not a small accomplishment. That is a big deal that is meant to be celebrated. You know, I, I, I often go back to read the, the press release of that day or articles that I wrote when I was a, um, at Gremlin because it's like the passion was there. Mm -hmm. Like, I was very talented. Like, I read stories and I was like, girl, you better write that. That makes sense. Tell the story, baby. Get us there. Get us there. Like, I could see, like, how my mind was working and how I was putting things together and... 
it, it really just came out in a beautiful way. And when I get down on myself, when I, I get discouraged and I think like I'm the worst journalist ever, I go back to those stories because that was my most authentic self. Before someone told me that I could be wrong and that my writing could suck, you know, I put all that I could into those words, into that writing, into that vision. And if I go back to that, then I can remember the reason why I even did it from the beginning. And so I really, I, I really often go back to those stories to remind myself of my purpose. You know, I, I have a strong feeling that that woman who wrote all of those articles in college would also be really proud of the woman that you are today and right now, especially in, you know, this launch and this business, right? So I want to read a piece from the website of Wins for Black Girls, and it writes, a platform that spreads positive news about Black women. Wins for Black Girls is shifting the narrative and perspective through text-based campaigns, social media, and events such as the virtual Black Girl Showcase. The platform also recently completed a successful crowdfunding campaign through Fund Black Founders. And I wanted to really include that last part because you are navigating a startup and you are doing it and that takes money, you know? And so there is so much that you are doing with this platform. So tell me a little bit about where this idea originated from. Let's start at the basics. Okay. So Wins for Black Girls is like, it's a it's a community and a platform the the general idea came from i wanted to build something that i would be proud to work for growing up there's always these legendary black publications that you would want to work for the essence the ebony's bt like there's like some organizations oprah you know it's like if I was ever to just touch the room where the magic happened, yeah. I would be blessed, you know. And I also, while those are still goals, I could create something like that for myself and for my generation and for people. There's not enough Ebony's. There's not enough Essence. There's not enough spotlight on Black women. And so instead of trying to chase that dream, I decided to, to create my own platform and my own avenue where I can write stories that were really important to me. Because through my internships, while they are blessings, you're not allowed to write everything that you would want to write. Because the, 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 the priority of major corporations and ma major newspapers, while they're changing now, they have not always historically focused on the positivity of black people. You know, it could be if there's a crime, oh, no problem. Let's splash her, their head faces all over the place. But like when we talk about the journey, the their entrepreneurship, the culture, the sports, you know, some of those stories, especially for black women, can be hidden. And I wanted to be able to uncover that. And so when I first was kind of thinking about it, I was thinking of it doing more of a newsletter where you can read articles about Black women. And it was taking me a long time to get to that point. Like, it was taking me a long time to, like, push out what I had in mind. You know, I was just getting stuck at, like, basically the publish stage. I would create stuff, but when it was time to publish, I would just get really stuck. I couldn't move. I couldn't grow. I couldn't, like, I just couldn't take that next step to, like, put it out into the world. 
And then I heard a message from one of the girls I follow on social media. And she said, just launch your goal. Whatever it is, just launch it. You know, whatever you've been working on and that you've been sitting on, launch it. Don't wait. Don't wait another moment. Just do what you said that you were going to do. And so I just published my website that weekend. I was headed to Grandma State University's homecoming. And it was in 2019. The website had been ready for like a year. I didn't have to like do anything. I read it over. But I really just had to push publish. And once I pushed publish, it freed me. It freed me from like making sure that it was perfect or that it was gonna be received well. And it has been. Like I haven't heard much negativity about the platform that I'm creating. You know, I'm always getting suggestions on how it could be improved, but no one has ever told me like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Don't waste your time. You know, and I, I don't really need that validation because I prayed for it. I prayed over it. I couldn't get over it. You know, once I couldn't get the idea out of my head, I couldn't sleep at night unless I wrote down my vision for it. I knew that it was blessed. And so I just knew that no matter how long it took me, I was eventually going to have to publish some version of Wins for Black Girls. And so once I finally did it, it was all about now, okay, what do I want to launch next? So I started to launch the text alerts and our good news alerts, they focus on information-based news articles and we spread them through text alerts. So if you're subscribed to Wins for Black Girls three days a week, Tuesday through Thursday, you will receive a positive news alert. And it focuses on entrepreneurship, um, culture, sports, and everyday successes and entrepreneurship, business, education. I think I missed a few, but it's a couple um, topics that we cover. And what I do is I look at all of the news from the week and I try to figure out what is the most pressing, engaging, inspirational news I can share with you. So you can be reminded that there are Black women in every industry killing it. You know, if there's the first to do this, the first to do that. This company just start was a startup that just made $50 million. You know, it's always something positive that is happening that can be a clip note for someone else. But it's really just like um, the waterfall of just all the goodness of a Black woman can provide the world. And to take time and attention to focus specifically on what Black women are doing and producing and sharing that with the masses is really important to me. So I want to ask a pretty direct question that you've, you've answered in ways so far, but I, I want to hear, you know, because I think it's really important to talk about this. Why does this matter? It matters because media representation is important. You know, I can remember the small glimpses of media that reflected on me. You know, if it was the Black cartoon character of the Rugrats, you know, I identified with Susie because she looked like me. You know, if it was the television shows that I watched, you know, I identified with Moesha recently just came back out. On I Netflix. saw that. Yeah. And there's there's so many moments of Moesha that I'm like, oh, my God, was that deposited into me? She said that she wanted to be she wanted to go to school for history or black literature. No, she said literature. Um, a journalist or something to do with black culture or history. That's what her three things were. And I'm like, wow, did she deposit those things into me too? Like, did I hear her say that she wanted to be that? And she wrote every night. 
she would journal and she would journal. And I have dozens of journals where I write out my heart and like I go back to those because it it gives me insight on how I felt in that moment. You know, there were some dark times in my life and I read those and I'm like, wow, I really got through that. You know, so writing is so powerful because it documents um, what is happening. As a journalist, I feel like I'm writing history every day. You know, people are going to go back to look at this information as context and evidence of the people who lived. And if that context and that history does not have reference to Black women, that would be a disservice to the future generations, the future generations of people who look like me, you know, to not only know that we are a successful country, a successful world, but people specifically that look like you had an amazing and important impact, and so shall you. And so if you are not, if you are not represented in the stories that are being told about success, then you will think success is not available to you that success cannot come to you. And that's not true. Success is you. You win every day. So you have to figure out what purpose and what things do you love and how can you enter that into the world. So my part of it is just making sure it's documented. You know, making sure that the information that what we contribute to society has a reference point, that you can come here forever and know that these are the Black women that had an impact. And each black woman can be on this list because you have done something mm -hmm. to be able to contribute to mankind. And so I think it's just really important for that documentation and that information be provided to people because those two things provide knowledge and knowledge unlocks freedom. I'm going to switch things up a little bit because I, I want to make sure that people know for sure where they can find you and where they can sign up for this. So if you would go ahead and share how people can get locked into wins for black girls. Okay. So if you're interested in subscribing to our good positive news alerts, you have to text WFBG, which stands for wins for black girls to 844-414-4959. That's 844-414-4959. And so you just text WFBG to that phone number. You'll get a, a, a a notification that you're subscribed and then you'll start getting alerts that simple and then we also create a lot of content for social media on facebook and on instagram and you can follow us at wins w-i-n-s for f-o-r black b-l-a-c-k girls g-i-r-l-s and everything will be in the show notes, you guys. So make sure you you stay in touch, you ask questions, you you keep coming back to this because, you know, like you said, when there is not that media representation, that's when people think that a, a goal or a dream is not attainable. So the work that you're doing is incredibly important and it is so powerful. But, you know, we also know that when you're starting something brand new, there is always a trial. So what has been the greatest trial in your career so far? Yeah, I thought about that question. And I tried to think of like a story or something like that, but nothing really came up. You know, what really stood out to me is discipline. Like mm -hmm. my relationship with discipline has really been the most contentious relationship 
you know, because in some seasons of my life, I can be more disciplined to certain things. And some seasons you need to be more disciplined to other things. And I think in this season of my life, I really need to be disciplined in what things work and things that don't work. Like what makes me happy? What makes me sad? How do I heal myself? Like if I'm having a bad day, what does it take me to change my emotions from here to here? And having the discipline to do those things because I've noticed that I'm tired in the morning and that's because I'm not getting enough sleep at night. But the real discipline thing that I have to do is to not sleep with my phone in my bed, to turn off the TV, to, to give myself the, the peace of mind to know that I deserve rest. You know, so I have to be very disciplined in this season of my life because I really need to break some, um, break some bad habits and I need to create some good habits mm -hmm. and the discipline that is required to really own that, that opportunity and that, that requirement is so hard sometimes because it's easier just to be tired. It's easier to just push through. It's easier not to just pray in the morning or read your Bible or not to read information that's good for you. I recently had to stop listening to some of my favorite podcasts. Mm. You know, my favorite podcasts, like I love them. I love those girls, but you know, it's not good for me. It makes my mind think about things that I should not be thinking about. Mm. And it's not good for me. And so I have to, be okay with understanding what's good for me and what's not for good for me and to be able to have enough discipline to change it even when it comes to like my eating habits I, I went vegan for like a whole month I'm not a month a year I was vegan for a whole year and that year of my life I was so healthy I was so happy like my energy was so high you know I was so well like I could I remember it. And it's, it's a lot because of what I consume. And so now I'm back to not eating meat and watching the amount of sweets that I eat. And even though it's like easier to eat whatever I want, it's better and more disciplined for me to be strategic about what I eat and what I feed myself. And that goes on to what books that I read, what podcasts that I listen to, what music do I listen to, everything I'm looking at is this good for me or is this bad for me and if it's bad for me having enough discipline to cut it off yeah yeah you are amazing this interview has been amazing there is so much power from this like I feel so inspired and so thank you for that because I selfishly like I needed I needed you today so thank you for being here um an absolute joy guys everything um any way to contact uh tiara will be in the show notes so make sure that you follow up with that other than that thank you for being here i i like i can't say it enough thank you thank you thank you thank y'all for listening and listening to my story and if you want to follow me personally i can be reached on all social media platforms at by tiara smith so by tiara smith I'm always a journalist, always uh, writing and reporting. So please reach out to me if you have any questions. Amazing. All right, guys, have a fabulous rest of your day and I will talk to you next week. Bye.